Off the Hook. Airing on OffTheHookSports.com. Your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. The Off the Hook podcast at OffTheHookSports.com or Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or wherever you go for your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Off the Hook with Dave Hooker starts now. With Amanda LaFrada and Ethan Stone, I'm Dave Hooker. Welcome. We've got a big show on tap. We're going to visit with Jonathan Crompton a little bit later in the program. I want to talk about the pressures of coming in as a highly touted prospect, which he was. Of course, things are different with Nico Iomaleva. And I I think, though, that there are some similarities there in, in coming in and getting challenged uh, from uh, day one by by the fan base to be a, a very good player. Ethan, I think I just butchered Nico's name. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna Go correct it say for it, you. Say it five times. That's what I need. I've str- I practiced I went to the gym this morning and I practiced on the way home. It truly. Is. And I think I practiced it wrong the entire time. <laughs> it is Nico Iamaliava. 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 Okay. At, okay, at any point, <laughs> you are the Nico police. Okay. You call me out. That was much closer. But there is a ton of pressure on him. You start talking about, and we don't, it's so funny that don't we, we don't really know the athletic did that report that he's going to get $8 million. And at the same time, he committed. And they didn't really tie him to it. They said a school paid $8 million for three years. I mean, we don't 100% know, Ethan, but. The time was, was pretty awkward. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it's him. I think we can assume it's him, right? The timing was was very, uh, <laughs> like you said, uh, I guess awkward is, is a good word. I'm looking for a better word, but I can't find it, so we'll go for awkward. But it, it's it's pretty, uh, I'm not going to find it, but you, you guys know. Coincidental. Yeah, coincidence. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a coincidence that, that it was right there. That, that's well, and the guy that wrote it covers Tennessee on a day-to-day basis. So I think there's another coincidence. Amanda, if it is $8 million for a quarterback and he turns out to be uh, a starter, is that worth it in the SEC? No. No. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, maybe I'm old school, but I don't understand how we've turned to kids making $8 million. $8 million. You're like 18, 19. I don't know how old he is, but normal starting, you know, kids in college, when you start in college, you're normally 18 or 19. So I don't, I don't like it. I think it's, I think it's bad for college football. And I think it's going to be something that the NCAA is going to have to really, really hone in. Yeah, I agree. Um, So I want to get to this Cooper Mays on targeting uh, article that, Ethan Stone turned yesterday. Go to offthehooksports.com. First, remind you to set your notifications on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast, and subscribe to YouTube for sneak peeks. So we want you there. And um, first, I want to tell you about 
before we get to that Cooper Mays targeting rule about uh, Viles Automotive Car Shopping Made Easy, if you want to talk auto finance, they are your people as well. They keep you going and they got a great selection of cars, but they keep you going with the car service and repair work. And uh, honesty, integrity is what Viles Automotive is all about right there on Callahan. Go there for your next car. Absolutely love Viles Automotive Group. Um, so uh, Cooper Mays, uh, the gist of your column and Cooper's take, who joins us weekly on the Ball Report, brought to you by City Heat and Air, was that you shouldn't be ejected for a targeting rule. So kind of set us up, lay out what Cooper thought, Ethan, and uh, we shall discuss. Yeah, obviously, Cooper hasn't really been on the wrong side himself of a targeting call. It's mostly a defensive penalty as as. I'm sure everyone knows because it happens about once a game at this point. And and he, he really just said, I feel like, what all fans across the country are saying. They're saying they're, it's ridiculous for a player, incidentally, most of the time, without malicious intent, to be ejected from a game because someone's natural body position, like reaction when someone launches themselves at you, is to kind of cradle your your head and, and and protect yourself even if you have a helmet on it's just human instinct and sometimes people can't exactly change their trajectory mid-air uh, they're, they're not airbenders here so so we're talking about these college players who are for the most part just making football plays now there is a minority of people you know with malicious intent probably and leading with their helmet and that probably has no place in the game but a vast majority of these targeting calls are just that's just not the case and I, I kind of went into a few instances, um, considering Auburn, considering Tennessee and Alabama, about, you know, times that the call being a judgment call was called differently for very obvious cases of targeting and very not obvious cases of targeting. So it's something that, in my opinion and in Cooper Mays' opinion, just needs to be buttoned up and and really, I guess, looked at because in, in a way it's it's really hurting the game, in, in his opinion and mine. It could sway a game, Amanda. The wrong guy can go out early, and it can just really deflate a team. And you only get so many opportunities. I feel bad for the guys that, you know, maybe they're two-year starters, and that's one of their 23, four opportunities. So, Amanda, you're now the commissioner of uh, the uh, SEC. Because I'm not even going to say NCAA anymore because they have no power. So how would you change the targeting rule? I mean, I think targeting the rule um, is objective, just like you can call a holding penalty pretty much on any play. You can call pass interference. You cannot call pass interference. It, it's just up to the refs. But if I were to change the, the rule, sorry, the ruling, I would say that if you're called for targeting on the, on the play, and they do the review instead of ejecting the player, give them the penalty like you would um, any kind of pass interference or personal foul, you know, what have you. 15 yards, I think pass interference is now like what, half the distance to the goal or is that the NFL? I, I go, I can't remember. Anyway. Which one? So uh, college, I believe it's a spot foul. Is it a yeah. pass interference? I could be wrong, but yeah. No, pass, okay. pass interference in the NFL is it's 15 yards. Foul. Oh, no, pa- are, pass interference are, in the NFL is you're right. A, you're right. You're foul. right. In college, it's uh, it's just yardage. So go yeah, ahead. You're right. Okay. Sorry. So I'm glad everybody gets confused on that. Yeah. Um, 
So I wasn't. It's been a while without football. I, That's why I got confused. <laughs> I know. I've been covering baseball for a while, so I've, I'm yeah. a little uh, rusty. Anywho, I would say that you penalize it just like you would penalize anything else. Um, personal foul call, stuff like that. And then if it happens a second time, then I would eject the player. I mean, it's there's instances where a, a defensive back will hit, will go in, like Ethan said, will go in to hit a player, and that player will duck his head, and then helmets hit helmets, and then you're called for targeting and you're ejected because the helmet hits the helmet. And I don't think it's fair. It's objective, and, and so is a lot of – or a couple of other calls in college football, so I think that should be erased. I think there's an obvious difference most of the time, like a very blatant, obvious difference, black and white, as uh, with a guy leading with the crown of his helmet and he's trying to hurt somebody maliciously and a guy that ducks his head and they accidentally make contact. I, I think there could be, I think you referenced this in your story on offthehooksports.com, Ethan, like a flagrant one and a flagrant two in basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that can be that. So I think it's a flagrant one. 15 yards. I wouldn't even hate, I know this is unprecedented on left field, so you guys tell me if I'm stupid, but I wouldn't hate suspended for the rest of the drive. That's exactly what I was thinking. I I thought the exact same thing. Kick him out of the drive if you're really that, you know, we don't want you doing this. If you're the SEC, if you're the NCAA, you say we do not want players doing this. So as, you know, you know, to say we're not going to do this anymore, you're going to be out of the drive if you do that. I think okay. that's a I think that's a fantastic idea. And if you do it twice, then you're out of the game. I like that. Um, what if it happens on special teams where they would be out of the game anyway? Amanda, how would we handle that? See, I would say to... not not so much out of the drive, but maybe out of the quarter or out of the half. I think a full game suspension that leads into the next game. Yeah, is that's ridiculous. It's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So we could do something in the iron bowl. And then be out, you know, half of the of the uh, SEC championship. Thank you, Lord have mercy. Yes, half of that, and that's that's ridiculous. You can't have a star player out like that, especially when it's an objective call. Uh, no, I'm I'm fine with all that. Uh, I, I like what you guys came up with. Um, so let's just uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, give the commissioner a call. And say what's up. And then we'll just kind of go from there. Um, that sounds like a good breakdown. Also on offthehooksports.com, the uh, breakdown of the most important balls for this upcoming season continues. Kamal Hayden is number 22. Why is he so darn important, Ethan? And my and I kind of touched on it a little bit yesterday. I just think just about every cornerback on the team right now is important because it was such a problem last year. And you have so many guys like Haddon that have high potential. Um, You know, a lot of guys that didn't exactly get their shine last year because you got players like Theo Jackson, like Elante Taylor in front of them, but talented players nonetheless. And, And I think we could see from any of these guys I've listed so far, Danico Slaughter, Christian Charles, and then Kamal Haddon, more coming up, I could see a breakout year from any of them. And that, that's why I just included all of them, kind of in the bottom half. Now, you know, moving forward, there's going to be a lot more important ones. Um, you'll have to see, uh, you'll have to find out who those are. But ranging he's into the top 15. Us. Yeah, I'm teasing he's you teasing even more. Us. 
But yeah, I, I think I think he is an important player. I do. He's he's not a guy that played a lot last season, but I do think all those guys are important and integral to the team. Um, Tennessee pitcher Chase Burns named the National Freshman Pitcher of the Year. Um, congratulations. There are a couple of other awards that have come in since the seasons. I don't know why they come in between the Super Regionals and the College World Series. But anyway, there's a lot of things about college <laughs> baseball that absolutely lack logic. But um, it's just when these awards come in, each one's kind of bittersweet, Amanda, because – you know, and I was texting Ben Joyce back and forth a little bit. He's going to join us next week, last night. And kudos to him, man, for supporting the um, Children's Hospital. I hope you guys saw that tweet. If you did, retweet it. We're going to uh, do our best to publicize that. And, um, yeah, a lot of people may not know. I was in an, uh, an injury, uh, uh, an accident when I was a kid. And uh, basically was told by the doctors, told my parents, I'm going to lose his foot, his leg, or his life, but we're going to try one more time to see if the foot responds. That was a children's hospital. They pricked my toe. It did respond, so they sewed it back on, and we said prayers, and I have two feet. So that that really touched me a lot, the children's hospital thing, and, um, you know, I could see this be, I, I don't I don't want to set the bar too high. I don't, but I I could see this being kind of like a Peyton Manning thing. If, if he goes on and is like uber successful with that type of baseball money that, I mean, there's an entire wing of a hospital. It may be the whole hospital in Indianapolis. that's named after Peyton Manning. I'm not ruling that out. I'm not ruling that out whatsoever. So I think that's at least a possibility. And you're making fun of my phone. It's not my phone. It comes up on my computer because somehow it's synced. I don't want to get into that. But anyway, I love what Ben Joyce is doing. I, I love the fact that he's involved with the community. Um, it's just a feel-good story that ended in a bad way. That's the best way I can put it. Yeah, and I mean, not to mention, Tennessee athletics in general, I feel like has been you know, similar on that on that kick recently. Just They're just good people. Uh, look at the basketball team, all of them, what Rick Barnes is doing over there and the culture that they have. It's it's just very nice to see. And Barnes himself even said, I believe, last season, I mean, th- this culture, this Tennessee athletic culture is a family, and we all love doing stuff like that, just genuinely. Uh, the football team did stuff like that during the season. Obviously, Joyce with this children's hospital thing is very cool. They went and visited a hospital, I believe, a week, two weeks ago. And it's just cool to see it's they don't have to do that kind of stuff. And and it's it's very nice, refreshing to see in, in the world we live in today. You know, what was crazy, Amanda, about that visit that Ethan referenced is they went two days before the Super Regional. And that's in the middle of the playoffs. There is no football team in the country that is going to do some sort of fundraising or feel good charity story uh, in uh, in the middle of the postseason. Can you even imagine that? You're getting ready to play for an SEC championship game and you do the hospital visit. I mean, they do that at Tennessee in the off week in the middle of the season. I'm sure they do other schools. But in the middle of the playoffs, that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, it is. I I think that anytime any any football team does any kind of charity is is impressive to me considering – 
what it's like to be them. I mean, they're constantly getting praised. They're constantly getting boosted. Um, and they, you know, they don't have to do this kind of stuff, but they do it because it's the right thing to do and because they feel, you know, grateful to be where they are. Yeah. I, I think it's super cool. Some more notes to g- get us rolling. And then coming up, we're going to have some Cruton news, talking Cruton. Uh, and uh, we're going to get to the poll question here momentarily. Um, Philip Fulmer apparently said uh, that he believes the balls will uh, win a national uh, title in 2023. I why do you ask Philip Fulmer that? I bet he can't name the, the three. I can't. I bet he can't name three key returning players to next year's team. And I don't mean that as a shot, but he's a football coach. Um, probably the way things ended with the whole Pruitt thing. The he, I don't want to say ostracized, but I doubt that he's in in the inner workings of the athletic department. And uh, Ethan, I'll just ask you, you covered the team. I, you know, they, they have some guys coming back, but they lose a lot as well. I mean, it's, it's tough for me to say they're even going to make the College World Series next year, much less win it all. See, the thing that's hard about that is that's what everybody said last year, too. This team this year was not supposed to be this good. Not, not by a long shot. I, I remember right. when I was writing for the Beacon, we had to do a like – a, starting nine you know at the beginning of the season just you know get people excited for it and it was like a cover for one of our newspapers and we couldn't think of nine people we were like i mean you got all these guys that are leaving and you know chase dallas is going like (laughs) like all these guys are going who's gonna bat who's who who are the starting pitchers we got you know those transfer guys chase dolander i've never even heard of him and he wins sec you know pitcher of the year and you just have stories like that littered throughout the baseball team and how, like, just out of nowhere they came from to be as good as they were. Drew Gilbert and Jordan Beck were pretty much the only guys that we were like, yeah, they're going to be playing this season, 100%. Trey Lipscomb was not supposed to be as good as he was. And, I mean, Seth Stevenson, he played well in that one hole. Darrell Ortega played very well in, in his spots. And having guys like that just come out of nowhere, I think that's the thing that makes this Tennessee team really unique. Got Blake Burke coming back next year. Who knows? He could fulfill the Jordan Beck role. And you got Mal Yahuna coming from Kansas. He could definitely make some noise at shortstop over there. You're going to be losing Luke. Probably going to just find someone like that. Burke can probably play first base. And to have all those guys uh, and the way Tony Vitello leads the team, I, I'd say maybe not national championship, but this team will make it back to the postseason for sure and probably make some noise. I, I wouldn't put it past them given what they've done this season. No, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. It's, it's, it's really difficult for me to imagine. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say national championship either. I'm with you on that. That's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's quite the statement. You right, couldn't do it this not, year. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this yeah. was one of the most talented teams that we've ever seen in, in college baseball. It'll be interesting to see 10 years from now what these guys do. Because it's it's kind of and even twenty years. I know Ethan, you probably don't think like that yet, but you will at some point because you're a young guy. But you know, twenty years, some of these guys could be going into the Hall of Fame, and then you look back, you know, like eh, they could have gotten a little bit more. And and to be really honest with you, that Todd Helton group in 1992, 
Um, that's going way back. There's a little bit of that. We're like, hey. they, I mean, they were really, really good. And they uh, got knocked out midway through the College World Series. And, I mean, they weren't at this level, but I really thought that they had a chance to win it. And um, they didn't. So it'll be really interesting to see um, what ends up happening with uh, this uh, baseball team moving forward. I think Tony Patello is going to do great. I think they're contending. I think if he stays at Tennessee for five years that they win a college world series, I do believe that. I think he'll make some adjustments as far as some of the antics and the flamboyance. Uh, and that's probably needed. Um, but uh, lastly, I did want to mention a uh, really quick, the announcement today. I don't know when you're listening, so this may have happened, but uh, Vic Burley is set to announce his decision six foot five. 276-pound edge rusher, one of the top-ranked Tennessee targets in the 2023 class, consensus top 100 recruit. So, um, I mean, that would be monstrous. Number 40 player and number four defensive lineman in the country, according to the the composite rankings. So, you know, aside from a highly rated quarterback like Nico, if, if, if I'm putting together a football team, the second thing I'm picking is a great pass rushing edge guy. I mean, that's, uh, it, yeah, that's the, that's the next greatest thing. And then I saw some funny tweet. I think Amanda, it was some, somebody that was just trying to get some attention said, Will Anderson might be the best player in college football. No, he is. There is no okay. question. He okay. is hands down the best player in college football. Now, we, you could say a quarterback in the NFL might make a bigger impact, and you can go on and on and on. But you want to talk about the best player at his position? I I could argue starting a team, and this sounds crazy. And by the way, Will Anderson was on my Heisman vote. So, um, and I wasn't the only one of the other voters that I talked to. So. I could make a strong argument because especially the way he plays the run, um, he's a tackle for loss machine. He doesn't get as many sacks as some guys, but Amanda, I could make a strong argument right now that Will Anderson should, uh, could be the MVP of the entire nation that I would start a football team with him instead of anybody else. I can make that argument right now. I mean, absolutely. even over Bryce Young, anyone the Heisman. That sounds crazy. I think a lot of times the Heisman, <clears throat> they give it to, it seems like, either the most dynamic player, the most fun to watch, or, I mean, look at Jan- uh, Johnny Manziel, look at, you know, Jameis Winston, look at Cam Newton, you know, the, the most exciting to watch, or they give it to the best player on the best team. I mean, that tends to be it. And I know Will Anderson uh, – I think is the best player on Alabama's team was last year. I think that they give it to the uh, main offensive guy, whether it's the running back, the wide receiver, you know, the, the quarterback, they're going to try to get to the quarterback every time, but if they can't do that, they're going to go, you know, wide receiver running back, but it's always going to be somebody offensively besides Charles Woodson. Um, And I know that's a sore spot for Tennessee fans. Um, so sorry about well, that. He, I mean, he shouldn't have won it. That was an ESPN campaign. Um, and, and I know some people behind the scenes. If you remember, they pushed for the 
this is going way back, but it, they pushed for the Wisconsin running back, Ron Dane, for a while. The week before, they pushed for somebody else. And it was one guy after another as Peyton was just kind of sitting there. And it's easy to get knocked off the mountain. And I, I think a, I think a bunch of voters and the media were sick of Peyton Manning because you talked about him for four years and he didn't beat Florida. I thought it was totally unfair. I think it's wrong to this day. Go ahead, Amanda. You, but you know me. I, I'm not a homer at all. But there's no way he shouldn't have won that Heisman. Okay, I've done my due diligence when it concerning this, and I will even I wrote something on it. I didn't publish it, but I can even I can even write it again. Um, Peyton Manning wasn't even the best quarterback in the SEC. Oh Tim my! Couch was the best That's Tim Couch. Tim Couch was the best statistically speaking, the best quarterback in the SEC. Well, I'm just letting you know. Yeah, statistically, saying. statistically, they threw a bunch of uh, slip screens, short slants, but, bubbles. But statistically speaking, he was the best quarterback in the SEC. However, Charles Woodson played all sides of the ball, literally all sides of the ball. In two, two games, Charles Woodson made the deciding play that won Michigan the game. So okay. anyway. I can't really, I mean, all sides, even special teams even special teams. So people who go on and on and on about Peyton Manning, and I get it. Peyton Manning was a great quarterback. He's a great quarterback, or he was in the NFL too. But Charles Woodson, I don't think you can say didn't deserve it. I, well, I'll say it this way then. Peyton Manning should have won the Heisman Trophy that year, and it shouldn't have been close. Agree to disagree. I, fair enough. Um, I, I just, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it should have been close. Um, but anyway, so... Uh, it is weird, though, that Woodson and um, Manning were the oldest players in the NFL together at one time and that yeah. they went in the Hall of Fame at the same time. I mean, awkward. Yeah. It's time for our poll question. It's brought to you by Big Orange Philly. Go to Big Orange Philly. Uh, w- if you're listening at lunch, it's a great time to get some quick bites. It's uh, Also, they have fresh ingredients. They're awesome. Casual shouldn't mean stale food options. And I tell you what. What you need to do is stay a while because they got darts, billiards, live entertainment, and karaoke. Big Orange Phillies is right there in beautiful halls on Maynardville Pike. You're absolutely going to love it. They bring us a poll question today. Ethan, poll question, what do you got? We'll post it on Twitter so people can follow it there. Yeah, so on Twitter you can have four different um answers i guess options for for a poll so i thought a good idea would be which road game is most important for tennessee football to win this upcoming season uh if you don't know that's lsu Pitt, um georgia and we'll throw in i believe mizzou will be in a away game this season so which of those four would be the most important for the vols to win this upcoming season well most important definitely i mean because they're going to beat Missouri. Where were the four again? Give me, give me. It was that. Pitt, LSU, um, Georgia, and Mizzou. I believe LSU um, is in. Uh, yeah, no, it is in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. I, I, you know, I look at that, and they're going to be favored against Pitt. They're going to be coin flip LSU and uh, Georgia. They're going to be probably a double-digit underdog. Um, 
and then they go to South Carolina. South Carolina is a surprising team. Let's let's Uh, do South Carolina instead of Mizzou. That one seems that one seems better than Mizzou. Yeah. Well, how about we do this? How about we how about how about we tweak it just a little bit? Um, Okay, the team that Tennessee is. uh, How about the the team that Tennessee fans would most like to beat? This upcoming season. Okay, but no. I mean, yeah, that's easy. It's Georgia. That's why I say most important because, like, which one if Tennessee loses is a problem for the Vols. Um, I mean, the one Tennessee fans want is going to be Georgia 100 out of 100 times because that just makes sense. Well, that's not a swing game. That's not a – I mean, but that's not a swing game. They're probably not going to win that game. So, let's go swing games. How about Florida, LSU – um, South Carolina, those three, which swing game is most important for the balls? Do we like that? Do we all like that? Yeah. Can we get a yay or nay? Yeah. So let's see what uh, people nah. say. Let's go. You don't like that one? <laughs> I don't see how it's any different from mine, to be totally honest with you, but it's, I like yeah. it. <laughs> okay. well, let's go. Those are the three swing games. So, yeah. I mean, that, those are w- what will determine the season. I mean, at the end of the day, they're probably going to beat Pitt. They're probably going to beat the Akrons of the world. They're probably going to lose to Alabama, probably going to lose to Georgia. But I think those are the three swing games. If they go two and three or three and oh in those. And by the way, I was looking at the wins uh, over under win total. I mean, wins, W-Y-N-N, apostrophe S. Um, and they, they had uh, Tennessee at seven and a half over under. Um I think that's easy money. If I'm yeah, if I'm missing yeah. something, guys, correct me. I, I think Tennessee wins nine this year. I'll go on record with that right now. I think eight mm-hmm. is a lot, in, in my opinion. I'm I'm right with you. I mean, you got Kentucky. Well, Kentucky's not a. There's people saying Kentucky could be the second team in the, in the East this year. I do think the Vols beat Kentucky though. Vandy, Mizzou, probably South Carolina. All three of the Patsies, and then one of LSU, Florida. <laughs> one, one of LSU, Florida, and I don't know. Did I say Pitt already? I, I'm, I'm with you. I think eight should be very, very doable. Okay, so uh, we're all in agreement then. After some ba- debating, the swing games are Florida, LSU on the road, and South Carolina. Do we want to include Kentucky as a swing game? I was going to put Pitt over Kentucky, but, I mean, Kentucky well, works as well. I mean, Pitt beat us last season. Pitt beat yeah, us last season. And I, I get they had Kenny Pickett and a Heisman candidate, but everyone thought Tennessee was going to beat the life out of Pitt last season, too. You just never know with that ACC team. No, but you could lose that and still win the SEC. So let's stick with SEC right. teams. Um, let's go uh, Florida, LSU, uh Kentucky and South Carolina. It, it's up to you, Ethan. Do you see Kentucky as a swing game? I think Tennessee wins at home. I, don't I mean, I think I think Tennessee wins as well, but Kentucky's probably the better team than Pitt. I'll I'll, I'll give you that one. But okay, but yeah. Well, then let's go. Well, Pitt's out. They're not in the SEC. So let's go with the four. Do you want to go? Do you want to include Kentucky or go with the three? Let's include Kentucky. Why not? You get four. okay. All right, we get. Four. I like how you just completely changed that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely. Probably, probably just you probably just need to get used to that. All right, coming up, we're gonna have some uh, Cruton talking. Uh, we're looking forward to that talking Cruton. Uh, it's gonna be brought to you 
by our uh, great friends at uh, City Heat and Air. I'll tell you more about them here momentarily, and you'll hear about David Bassey at Bassey Lawn and Garden. A Toro, man, it's fantastic. Uh, again, please set your notification on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast, and subscribe to YouTube for sneak peeks. We got a YouTube channel and go to offthehooksports.com. Back in two minutes. To own the more that owns every job, then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Is your dad's nickname Lazy Boy? Then get him out of the chair and onto the grill with a Green Mountain Grill from the Owl's Nest Barbecue Supply in Ottawa. On the Green Mountain Grill, you can smoke, grill, sear, and just warm up some food. Versatile style, that's the GMG. Go buy Owl's Nest Barbecue Supply in Ottawa right next to the Midnight Oil and get your dad the grill to last a lifetime, a Green Mountain Grill. This is Steve Rain. I own the Midnight Oil and Michelin Tire Direct service station here in Ottawa. It's not a fancy place, never has been, but it's a clean place with clean restrooms and good folks who work here. We sell gas and fix cars, nothing glamorous, but we love what we do and we're going to keep doing it for a long time to come. There's not many real service stations left and that's a shame. We're the guys just like the guys back in your hometown. We'll fix your tire, change your oil, and put a new set of Michelins on your car. If you want a Twinkie, you'll just have to keep on going. Thanks for the business. Welcome back as we are going to get to some talking crouton here in just a second. And um, but there's a lot of recruiting going on. But uh, first, I want to remind you that you can uh, go vote at, uh, on Twitter. And you absolutely can uh, take part in the biggest swing game for Tennessee this upcoming season. I'm interested to see where that goes. Um, so, I, again, though, I think Tennessee's an eight or nine win, eight or nine win team. I don't know, Amanda, that we got your take on that. Um, I mean, seven and a half. Wouldn't you take the over? Um, I mean, the schedule's pretty, the schedule's pretty easy. I mean, I mean, Ethan's right. Pitt is. Pitt is good. They won last year, but no Kenny Pickett. And... I mean, they're all right. Uh, I don't know how well they'll do without Pickett, but we'll see. Um, as far as seven and a half, woo, I mean, I could see it happening. I don't like Josh Heupel, and that's only because I'm an Alabama fan. So if that tells you anything, 
I, I like which Jeremy means Pruitt, you think Josh, which means you yeah. think Josh Hopple's really good. And I do, yes, you yes. would rather Jeremy Pruitt Bullethead be the head coach. Love Derek Dooley, loved him, bring him back anytime. Well, I got, got a conversation yes. with John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel yesterday about that whole goofy thing um the last time they were at lsu and they traveled there this year where chuck smith the defensive line coach sent four defensive tackles out on the field in the goal line situation and they had 14 players on the field yes. 14 even that actually happened i think you were like three but that's really really <laughs> difficult to run 14 people out on the field. I, I can remember that somebody telling me on that staff at the time, uh, I, they they said, um, I said, what happened? And they go, uh, I don't want to say. And um, it, it, I said, well, but really what happened? I said, it was Chuck. And I said, well, Chuck. I said, are you, are you worried about that happening again? You no, know, he doesn't have that responsibility anymore. <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame so, him. So for the rest of the season, Lance Thompson, who's been in Alabama and been at Tennessee and been just about everywhere, handled the complete defensive front. He was just the linebacker coach. So basically what they had is Chuck Smith, God bless him. Chuck Smith was just there to teach kids how to pass rush. That was it. You'd like to bring a little bit more to the table. He was an okay recruiter, I, I guess, but I mean, that's that's pretty much exactly what he did. So if if that floats your boat, that's that's fine. So we got the poll question, and it's brought to you by Zul Beer Company. And Zul Beer Company, whew, man, that is some uh, fantastic beer and a fantastic environment to hang out with. Uh, Amanda is the promotions coordinator there, so she knows all about it. And yeah, I just made you the promotions coordinator. Okay, right. I was yeah. about to say the marketing what? coordinator. So anyway, but Zulbeer recently won an award that um, is worldwide. It's tell yes. us about it. It's not just not just Tennessee, not just the United States. Bigger than that? No, it was the World Beer Cup, and we placed um, we got gold in hazy IPA. So that's a that's a big deal because a lot of people now are making hazy IPAs. They love it, um, but it's, I mean, to win gold and we've been open for a year and a half. I mean, that's insane. We have an, an amazing, amazing brew team. Yeah, pretty strong. Go down there, and I love the panoramic views. So. Uh, it's a, a really a super cool place to hang out, um, and uh, we want to see you there. We're going to do some stuff in football season from there as well, so we're looking forward to that. Um, it is time for a talk in Cruton. We got some good stuff as uh, a big announcement coming today, depending on when you're listening. It may have happened, but I'll tell you a little bit more about him. Talk in Cruton brought to you by Zool Beer Company, downtown Knoxville. Talking Cruden. Am I right or am I right or am I right? Who's on Tennessee's board? The names you need to know exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker. All right. Well, let's start with, uh, why don't you just say his name? Nico, Ethan, fill in the blank. Iamaliava. Iamaliava. 
I think I got it. Did I get yeah. it? Um, Ollie, Ava. Um, Ollie, Ava. He's going to be like Tua. You're just going to have to call him Nico. Yeah, I'm just going to call him Nico. It's I've I've gotten the name down for the most part, but I I just don't really care. (laughs) I'm going to call him Nico. (laughs) I I think if I were you, I'd keep rolling with it because you may be in the minority of people that can actually pronounce it correctly. Absolutely. (laughs) To brag about. You put that on your Twitter feed. I can pronounce Nico's last name correctly and and put his handle in your, your bio. Yes. One of the few in the Knoxville media that can pronounce Nico's last name uh, correctly. <laughs> that would be awesome. All right. So, Nico, I had a huge weekend at the overtime uh, seven on seven tournament in Las Vegas. I never want to go to that city again. Uh, the top Ooh. five, oh, it's just terrible. Have you been to Vegas, Amanda? Twice. Uh, Ethan? Once. I was young. Uh, God, I got stuck there for nine days one time. It's horrible. I didn't know if it was AM or PM. Uh, anyway, so uh, Nico, uh, top five, uh, five-star recruit, lived up to his billing at the Las Vegas event. Um, and he is uh, recruiting for the balls. Uh, Nico actually was a quarterback for the event's quote, dream team. So he was selected basically as the best quarterback at the camp. And a Tennessee commit, Ethan Davis, earned uh, the tight end spot on the dream team as well. So uh, they're in Vegas. Uh, they also had time, Nico did, to spend time with five-star receiver Carnell Tate. So there you have Tennessee commit, Ethan Davis, and you have Nico working uh, Carnell Tate. Uh, to come to Tennessee, which would be uh, monstrous. I tell you what, um, I don't know that um, Tate um, it, it isn't um, isn't already maybe silently committed to Tennessee. Just for, just from what I'm hearing, I just wonder. I'm not reporting anything, or I would write it. Okay, I don't I don't know this, but I just based off somebody I talked to, just kind of got a weird little thing yesterday um and i'm just gonna leave it at that i'm not reporting anything but uh i'm wondering and uh i've covered recruiting for a long time uh so how about some uh, baseball recruiting as we talk recruiting um man uh, already uh, up and at them uh you have a guy that's willing to go recruit for you already and um a really good one as this Tennessee baseball team tries to build back. And yeah, again, like I said earlier, I think that uh, Tennessee will be very good next year, but uh, it certainly wouldn't hurt for Kansas transfer shortstop um, Maui Ahuna to recruit for the balls. And reportedly that is what he is doing. So you know, Ethan, one thing, you don't ever want to lose going into the offseason. Don't get don't get me wrong. But the way you respond to that sometimes, the way that kids come in and want to take that next step can be a positive. Um, so, you know, the, you you have a guy out there recruiting for you that's considered one of the top players in the nation transferring to Tennessee. It's got to help. It does. And, I mean – not even going away from the fact that Ahuna was probably number two, three, maybe on some people's boards for very important recruits. He's just an elite shortstop for, for the Jayhawks. 
Tommy White out of out of North Carolina State, and I mean, th- this is just so far. The, the season's not even one hundred percent over, and and te- players haven't left, you know, their teams yet. But Tommy White out of NC State is a really intriguing prospect to me. I believe led the country in home runs. Just ridiculous power hitter. Said he was transferring from the Wolfpack there, and I mean Tennessee would be a fantastic landing spot for him. And guys like Ahuna. Uh, they're they're going to be going after guys like White because they want to build Tennessee back to what it was this season. And you get both of those transfers. I'm like I'm kind of like you said. I'm not reporting this by any means, but if they were to get both of those guys, you're pretty much all the way back already because you return enough talent that I, I feel like Vitello would be able to get this team to a place where it would be competing again. All right, so it um, it'd be interesting to see what Tennessee does. Uh, in baseball, Do you, are you familiar with how the recruiting calendar works or the transfer portal, portal calendar? Um, yeah, I'm a football recruiting guy. I, I, I don't really completely know the calendar. Ethan, can you can you give us uh, uh, some insight onto that, please? So they have to be transferred by July 1st. I believe it's a little different for other sports, but since baseball goes so far into the summer, I believe July 1st is the transfer deadline. I could be very wrong on that, so do not quote me. I'm pretty well, sure Google I'm right. It. I'm, Google I'm pretty it. sure I'm right here. <laughs> Google it right now. Google it. All right. Well, I'll tell you about right. uh, Craft Treats. Go to crafttreats.com where they've got the chill pills. They've got a full-spectrum CBD treat, uh, and that uh, is just fantastic for the dog that suffers season or excuse me, situational anxiety like storms, um, car ride anxiety. Have you ever had, Amanda, a, a, a pet who had car ride anxiety? Yes. My cat, really? Penelope. Yes, Penelope. She would, I mean, if you take her on a ride, which we only do like once a year to go to the vet, she will slobber and cry. Like all, we put her in a carrier because it just doesn't work any other way. Cry and slobber to the point we had to give her a bath. I had to wash a cat, and it was awful. I how many pets? Not, how many pets do you have recommend. right now? How many pets do you two. have? Because we're we're sending you some craft treats. How many have you had? Um, I mean, I love I love pets. I've never been a cat person. She's my first cat, but that's only because my dog Ava picked her out over all the other dogs at the shelter when we went to adopt. So she picked out the cat. So now I have a cat and actually love my cat. She's, she's so fun to watch, but I have two. And over the years I've had multiple, I don't even know. Yeah. Probably most of them are no longer with us. Um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> go to. Uh, also when they get old before they go to heaven, cause all dogs and cats go to heaven. Um, they might have arthritis. So you can go to crafttreats.com for that, and they will take care of you. Is that too far, Ethan, before we get was, to this day was, in sports history brought to you by Craft pretty Treats? close. I also I looked it up, by the way. I was okay. about 95% right. If you want to be immediately eligible, you have to be out by July 1st. You can do it whenever you want, but it wouldn't make any sense to do it after July 1st. Okay. Okay. For baseball. Oh, so baseball I, I got you. Okay, yep. so that would be basically you're starting the second session of summer school. Yeah. Or yeah. Okay, I got you. All right, that makes sense. So we'll know something in a couple of weeks then. So we'll, have, we'll, 
we'll be talking Cruton. And now that June, you don't have though, to commit. You don't have to commit to that school by July first. You just got to be in the portal. In the portal. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So at that point, do we know how long? I think that I'm not sure how they how long they can wait. I'm not even sure there is a deadline. I mean, to be you, honest with you, could you I go in the portal on January the or I'm sorry, June the 28th, and a week later actually just show up at UT and transfer? We're gonna we're gonna Google that too. We'll fi- we'll figure yeah. all that. Okay. <laughs> uh, this, no, we're we're this, getting into some. <laughs> Yeah, this day, I know, recruiting calendars uh, I've had uh, pinned up throughout my life all over my <laughs> office. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that. But this day in uh, sports history is uh, brought to you by our, uh, our friends at uh, City Heat and Air. So, uh, Ethan, what do you got? And then I don't want to uh, begin on a somber note, but there is uh, a day in sports history that I want to address. But first, let's let's do the fun stuff. Uh, what do you got this day in balls and or sports history? I looked as long as I could for balls, and I could not find anything, which makes a lot That's of sense. Okay. Well, That's wait, okay. wait. Which makes a lot of sense because think about it: who would be playing right now? I mean, Nobody. Baseball, Nobody. baseball just had their best season ever. They've been to Omaha like, you know, once, so once or twice. So, you know, I mean, Tennessee wouldn't be playing right now. So there's nothing really interesting that happened. So I had to go back all the way to 1902. And trust me when I say this, this is a banger. It's so funny. It makes no sense. I'm so in 1902 on this day um, was minor league baseball's most lopsided game. Care to guess the final score of this game? Okay, most so lopsided we, game in minor league baseball history. Minor or major? Minor. Okay. Minor. Okay. It's it's going to be big. Um, I'm going to go a uh, hundred and two runs difference. Amanda. No. Okay. Okay. Wait, 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 don't say that. Don't give, don't I'm not going to give it away, but that's a lot. <laughs> it's let, not that much. Let, Am- let Amanda go first. I thought it might be a part of a promotion or something. You know. Gotcha. Like, but but anyway, Amanda, I won't okay, tell you. So. But it's not that much. Okay. Uh, well, you're giving Amanda I, the under, which helps well, her. I, that's fair. I knew that she wouldn't go I mean, over. My God, I wouldn't go <laughs> over. Um, I would say fifty-six. Fifty-six. That's a little closer. The, the final was um, Corsicana. I think that's how you say it. 51, Tex- Texarkana 3. <laughs> Justin Clark. Oh, was wow. So Amanda was yeah. like really close. Very close. I 51 to 3. 48 differential. Justin Clark of Corsicana, it's in Texas. Both of these schools are in Texas. Um, hit eight home runs in one game. That has to be a record of some sort. That's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, uh, Insane. That's the best I, I could find, though. That's I, I do want to. I do want to take a, a, a quick moment. Um, yesterday, which uh, flew under the radar when we did the show early in the morning, and um, I, I saw later, and I just hated that. You know, we we didn't do more with it. Um, so my apologies to the listeners. Uh, we certainly appreciate you listening. But um, what would have been Pat Summit's seventieth birthday? Um. Been around a lot of coaches, more than I can count. And I can say this without any question whatsoever. Any sport, um, men, women, pro, college, doesn't matter. Nobody uh, filled a room and had the intensity of a Pat Summit. 
yet at the same time was just a really, really, really great person and cared for her players and everybody around her was always willing to do uh, interviews. And as a matter of fact, I would like to share one quick story um, about Pat Summit. Um, I was doing a show with the guy that covered Tennessee football along with me. And uh, Pat Summit happened to be at a radio station. We were doing our, our radio show and I worked for the Knoxville News Sentinel. And so this guy, you know, uh, would call Philip, former Philip and John Chavis, John, or chief or whatever. And so he wasn't intimidated by coaches. And so Pat Summit is there and she is cutting some spots for the ball network in another studio. And I say, Hey, Pat, how are you? And she goes, good, Dave. How are you? And I said, I'm great. I said, what brings you here? I'm cutting some uh, commercials. I said, well, can can you bounce on with us for a few minutes? Now, if you would ask a football coach, I said, no, I got some place to be. She goes, okay, sure. Let me go cut these. She comes back in and it was right when the music beds played. Okay. So there was no even, I didn't even have time to say to this other guy, Hey, Pat Summit's going to come in. Like literally the light went on. It was time to talk. And at that time, Pat opens the door and just walks in. So this guy who's covered everybody, his eyes got just monstrously big around. I mean, this is the type of presence she had. And it's the best way I can describe it. I've never been around anybody else like this. And his first question sounded, I ask a question. And because I'd done some lady ball stuff enough to where I felt comfortable around her. I knew she was intense, but just a really sweet person too. And, um, his first question sounded something like this. And I said, Mike, calm down. Easy champ. <laughs> that is, um, I, Amanda, I just, um, and, and, I, and the same thing happened with my wife. My wife was with my daughter. We went to football practice. Pat Summit walked around the corner and my Wife has just said hi to Philip Homer like it's nothing. Holly and Kiffin like it's nothing. And just absolutely could not speak in front of Pat. And I I, I had to say, uh, this is my wife, Shanda. This is, I mean, I had to step in there and make it unawkward. And so this is my daughter, Nell. And, um, you know, I just, I, I hate that we lost her too early. I hate the way that it happened with the, uh, getting rid of the lady balls because she was, she was crippled at the time and and couldn't fight it crippled mentally. And, um, just, um, one of those one in a million people. And, um, yeah, I I just can't say enough. um, Amanda about what she did for women's basketball, what she did for Tennessee. I'll throw it out there. Uh, Terry fair from Phoenix, Arizona said he didn't know anything about, Tennessee until he saw the Lady Vols in the Final Four, and he went on to be a first-round draft pick in the NFL and all-SEC player for Tennessee. Why? Because the Lady Vols. Um, it, it just um, – she was special. I don't know if you met her or not, but uh, she was just really, really special. Um, I had the opportunity to uh, get to hear her speak once, and it was not in a huge – huge setting it was actually just the first um i went greek at ut and it was the first uh like our little meeting after we had gotten you know 
whatever that's called, where you go to a to a sorority. A rush. Once we that yeah, it was it was kind of rushed, but after you get picked, I can't remember what it's called. Now it's been a while, but I got to hear her speak and she spoke to like the first like the group of, you know, new new Greek people. And even then, like, you wouldn't think she'd have time to do that. You know, like, why are you, you're talking to people who are in the Greek system. It's like, like, what are you, you don't want your players to be in the Greek system. You don't have time for that. But she did. She, she talked to us all. And I mean, she was very captivating, very, just, she seemed like a great person. Um, yeah, it just, uh. I uh, just, I, and I really wonder had she never gotten sick, would she still be coaching at 70? Absolutely. She would have been 70. I think she would have. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, she, I mean, she loved it. just have it. They have it in their blood. Coach Bryant was one. Um, you know, Nick Saban's one. Uh, Pat Summit's one. Um, you have, uh, who is it? What's his name? Paterno. He was one. Where when it when it's gone, they just don't, you know, they they do it their whole lives because they love it. I think she would have been one to to do that. I had a a a, 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 a moment um, with a coach that it was part partially because he was in a wheelchair and he was very elderly, and um, I didn't want to interrupt. Um, I didn't know what kind of physical health he was in, but it was Sean Wooden. Um, at, at, at UCLA, and I, I wanted to just shake his hand because it's John Wooden, and I did have a, 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 a I'm going to go cover the game, you know, I'm a, the football, yeah. the Tennessee UCLA football game. But I mean, that was like, I mean, if for those watching on video, if you're listening on audio, my eyes were wide open, uh, and you know, he, he he willed by, and somebody was pushing him, and he had a blanket on, but I was just like, oh my gosh, there is one, if not the greatest coach in college athletics. I mean, really, you're talking about a small, let's throw this around for a second. Uh, All-time great elite coaches. Saban, Wooden, Summit, um, Krzyzewski, who? Coach Bryant. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Bear Bryant. I mean, there's probably like 10. uh, Dean Smith. There's probably like 10 that are in that very, very upper echelon. And um, boy, just, uh, we miss you, Pat. And for those that uh, are listening, uh, that may be a part of her uh, family, uh, God bless. I'm sure that yesterday was a tough day. So I want to encourage you to check out offthehooksports.com. And we will have an awesome podcast with Cooper Mays. Who's the strongest ball? There's one that can squat press 405 30 times so ethan is going to have a story about that and the strongest small ball also check us out on tiktok and we will have uh coming up the ball report with uh, john adams as well so it's a busy day on the site so stay tuned off the hook sports.com for amanda ethan i'm dave hooker this has been a presentation of off the hook sports <laughs>